Hey everyone, this is Adam Mellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to talk about why Venus entering Cancer is a sneaky, powerful transit. Um, you know, Venus changes signs pretty frequently, and so Venus changing signs alone is not the hugest deal in the world, especially when it's not entering, say, Taurus or Pisces or Libra, where it's in its rulership or it's exalted and everyone sort of knows, oh, hey, Venus is picking up dignity. This is a sneaky, powerful transit of Venus for a variety of reasons that I think could easily fly under the radar. So that's what we're going to talk about today and give you some reasons to be excited uh, for this transit of Venus through Cancer. Uh, so that is our agenda for the day. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share your comments and reflections as we go along. It helps the channel to grow. If you want to find a transcript of today's talk, as always, it's on the website, nightlightastrology.com. Right now, as you guys all know, we are in the midst of enrollment season. So hop on over to the website, nightlightastrology.com. Click on the courses page. Go to the first year course to learn more about the summer's New program, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, the one-year course in Hellenistic Astrology that begins on June 11th. Uh, we have more and more people signing up every day, and I have uh, spoken at length about this at the beginning of my talks for a little while now, um, and I'm really excited for a new cohort to begin. There's 30 classes on the year. We have a tutoring staff that's there for tutoring sessions outside of class for questions in a, in a discussion forum. There's a It's a very structured program that has a ton of support so that you can go as deeply as you want with the program. You can attend live or participate remotely through the class recordings. You get to download and keep everything in the program. There's a certification exam at the end if you want to go toward the path of professional astrology. If not, you can just be there because it is a hobby and an interest that you have that you're doing for yourself. So the program set up in a way to really meet people with whatever level of seriousness they are at with their, you know, their intention for taking the program. At the bottom of the page, you'll find the early bird payment as an option that saves you $500 off. There is a payment plan. You can spread out the tuition over 12 months. And then the one that we are making sure to promote early and often is need-based tuition. We do have spots remaining in the program for people who need a little bit of help to make the program uh, more affordable. If the price point is out of reach, we understand everyone's in a different situation. And if you need a little help because you're experiencing some financial hardship or you're just on a really tight budget, we know how it is out there. We know that times can be tough. Uh, and especially over the past few years uh, since COVID, we've seen, you know, a real spike in terms of the people who um, are, are, you know, using this option. And we're really happy that people are using it. So uh, if you could be helped out by that, um, check out the need-based tuition assistance option. Apply now. Tell us your situation. We'd be glad to work with you. Uh, we ask people to do that early because it does take a little bit to process and we try to avoid the staff having an overwhelm of those applications at the very last minute. So uh, if you have any questions about the program, check, uh, uh, let us know, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Also, just want to let people know that starting in January of next year, my reading schedule is shifting. I only have four openings per week, two on Mondays and two on Tuesdays. Um, and my schedule is narrowing a little bit because the donation-based reading clinic will be opening, and that is going to require a little bit more of my time and energy. And so my reading schedule is shrinking just a little bit. I'll be down to four readings a week, two on Monday, two on Tuesday, which means that the wait time could go up in the next couple of months as people sort of um, uh, get used to that, who are regular clients and so forth. So I say that now because if you want to book and make sure that the wait time isn't longer than it is already. Uh, you know, make sure you book your reading now. Okay, so, and that you can find that on the readings tab under the website as well. All right, let's get into it. I'm really excited to talk about why this transit is 
I have five reasons that this is a big deal. And you guys know that I like to make lists. I'm a list guy. And um, I think it's really helpful because there's a lot of people out there who really like having some organization to help them follow and keep track of what we're saying. I know that some people hate lists, but um, I like them a lot. And so if you if you watch my channel, you know that I like to use them to organize my thoughts. It's a lot, it's easier for me too when I'm creating my talks every day to have some organized points to talk about. But at any rate, today I have five reasons that this is a big deal. Venus entering Cancer is a big deal. Now here is the date. It entered on Sunday. So we're a little ways into this already. But this is why it's a big deal. Here's Venus entering Cancer Sunday, May 7th, so over this last weekend. And I want to tell you why this is a big deal. Now, first of all, let's see how long it stays. So Venus doesn't usually go through a sign. Um, you know, uh, it takes maybe like about four weeks, something like that. So by the time we hit, this is June 4th. In So when we hit June 5th, um, Venus will have moved in. So it's just a little less than a month on the calendar that Venus will spend in the sign of Cancer. Now, here is why that is such a big deal. We have five different reasons that, and, and again, like the reason that I say that, that this is worth talking about for a whole video is because people would not suspect that Venus simply changing signs, especially into one that she doesn't rule or is not exalted in, would be like the world's biggest change maker. Uh, in ancient astrology, you know, planets having dignity uh, is an important part of how we, um, you know, perceive or delineate their effectiveness in bringing about their significations. So, um, but this is a big deal, and here's why. And actually, I'm going to need the, I'm going to need my screen back up. I don't know why I took it down. All right, number one is that Venus will be bonifying both malefics. Bonifying means making better. So here is how that will be happening. One. Venus is now configured to Saturn as the exaltation ruler of Pisces in a trine, which is of the nature of Jupiter and is a benefic aspect. So we have Venus now configured by whole sign and by a degree-based aspect in a trine with Saturn as one of its rulers. So that effectively makes Saturn a little bit easier to deal with. And anytime we have Saturn, you know, configured positively to a benefic who is also its host, that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing that's going to be uh, happening is that Venus will also be bonifying Mars. As soon as Venus enters uh, the house of Mars, you can imagine it like this. If there has been conflict in the home, a mediator has arrived, <laughs> you know, a social worker that's going to sit down and help the family figure out their issues. Now, I'm joking, but whatever challenge or intensity that Mars has been bringing in the sign of cancer, Venus entering cancer is like a balm or like a salve or the, the medicine or the the soothing, gentle, healing energy that comes in and starts going over all those degrees that Mars has gone over, hitting all the same points in our charts. And that should bring healing. And so, we, you know, we've been going through some really intense transits, eclipse season ruled by a fallen Mars. Uh, we had, you know, uh, we had both the anoretic last degree of Aries activated and ruled by the fallen Mars, the eclipse in Scorpio ruled by the fallen Mars. So Mars has been, you know, really whipping up a, a, a doozy of, of an eclipse season recently and from a difficult place, not one that isn't meaningful or beautiful and important and relevant and healthy in, in so many ways. But also there's a reason that Mars and Cancer is said to be in its fall or depression. It is a challenging place and it often brings up things that are more intense emotionally for us to deal with. 
Well, now Venus entering the sign of cancer starts soothing, healing, and mending things that have been hurt or frustrated or broken or severed or cut. So we have the healing energy for Venus with both Saturn and Mars. So the reason that this entrance of Venus into Cancer is nice is a lot of people are going to start feeling some relief where those more challenging planets that bring about some of the harder stuff have been active. So that's one sneaky reason why this Venus entrance into Cancer is a big deal. Number two is that Venus and Jupiter will shortly be in each other's exaltations, and Venus has multiple rulerships in Cancer that people don't always remember. So, for example, once we get to May 16th, we're going to see a shift, and that shift comes when Jupiter enters Taurus. Now, as soon as Jupiter enters Taurus, we have this beautiful connection between the two benefics. Jupiter is in Venus's domicile, while Venus is in Cancer, which is Jupiter's exaltation. Oh, I think I said they'll be in each other's exaltations. I should have said that they'll be in each other's, uh, they will be, there will be a form of mutual reception. They're, they're, um, the moon is the exaltation ruler of, of uh, Taurus. So I, I goofed up the wording of that a little bit. I apologize. But yeah, Venus and Jupiter will be in each other's signs. Uh, Venus in the exaltation of Jupiter uh, and Jupiter in the domicile of Venus. So that's a form of mutual reception that the benefics will suddenly have for one another. Add to that that Venus is the triplicity ruler of the water signs in by day and also has the, I think it's the second decan, according to one of the decan sheets that I use, it is the, no, it's the first decan, the first 10 degrees of Cancer uh, belong to Venus by uh, Deccan or face rulership. And then Venus also has a nice allotment of degrees from about 13 to 19 degrees through bound rulership. So the first 10 degrees Venus rules by tripl triplicity by day, Venus rules the sign. And then 13 through 19, Venus also rules that. And then Venus is positively configured to its exaltation ruler who is also in Venus's sign. So Venus's, Venus's time in Cancer is lovely. I really feel this very strongly. Venus in Cancer has, this is a really nice placement for a benefic. And there's some other reasons too that I think you guys will enjoy. This is not to give you any very super specific um, idea of what's going to happen. For example, if you just look at the Cancer and Taurus placements in your chart by house and topic, those topics should be very powerfully and positively connected um, in the next, you know, between this uh, portion of May into June. All right. Well, number three is that Mars is shortly going to leave Cancer and then is overcome by Jupiter. Now, I say this because not only is Venus bonifying Mars, but it's doing so right as Mars is getting ready to leave. It's leave its fall. I take that as a little sign. Whatever Venus is doing, Venus comes into the sign of Mars and says, let's just smooth things out a bit. And then very shortly after, Mars's situation improves. Mars leaves Cancer, goes into Leo, where it's a little bit more solid. And suddenly, as it enters Leo, the first thing that happens, now it does have a, it has a very intense T-square that's going to be made with Pluto and Jupiter. So it's like fireworks right away. You know, there's a really big transit that we have to talk about almost separately. But what I like from this moment forward, just in a general sense, is that Jupiter is in the superior or overcoming position to Mars which means that Mars is out of a difficult placement in terms of its uh, dignity, and Mars is now being overcome and bonafide by Jupiter. So it's just like Venus has a very positive effect on Mars, who almost instantly gets a lot better, save the very powerful configuration 
uh, that's very short but powerful with Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto, which we'll be talking about in separate video. But the general, the gist of what I'm saying is that Mars, generally speaking, improves significantly once Venus enters Cancer. And you can see that playing out contextually with what Mars does shortly after being co-present with Venus. And I, I, I again, I think context is everything for understanding what planets are doing. Um, Venus will then sextile Mercury as Mercury turns direct. This is also really, really significant. So look at this. This is May 12th and then May 13th. So between the 12th and the 13th, um, Venus will sextile Mercury. Now, again, why is that a big deal? Well, Mercury is stationing to turn direct which means Mercury's situation is improving. Mercury's the morning star. Mercury has just finished a round of work and, and is ready to integrate and move forward sort of healthy and bright and strong as the morning star. And it is in Venus's domicile and is receiving this, is connecting through sextile to Venus, its host, right as it's turning direct. So Venus is just having this very positive effect in Cancer on a lot of different levels. Look at this. So they come through, comes through the sextile and then voila, by May 14th. So the sextile occurs, again, let's just walk back to this a little. May 12th is the sextile. May 13th, the sextile is just fading. And on the 14th and into the 15th, Mercury stationing and turning direct. Right? So, and then as soon as that happens, then Jupiter enters Taurus as well. So it, it's like, you just, it, it's, it's pretty amazing how many positive things are happening right around Venus's entrance into Cancer this month. Finally, and last but not least, is Venus is in her maximum elongation phase as an evening star right now. She's going to turn retrograde later in July in the sign of Leo, which, again, we'll spend more time on, on that transit as well uh, later down the road. But for me, the, the again, just a kind of brief reason that I really like this is that, well, let me just show you if I can, I think it's kind of neat to get a, get a visual of this. So I'm going to... I'm going to el eliminate everything from our perspective except for the descendant. Now let's just take this forward so you can see like when Venus is in Cancer. So here is the sun having set below the western horizon, right? That's the western horizon line right there. The sun is below it. And look at how high up in the evening sky the sort of eastern elongation of Venus as the evening star. So this is a very mature, in a, in a sense, evening star Venus, who's very bright and luminous um, and slower moving because she's get, you know, getting the further along toward that maximum and that maximum elongation of this phase, getting closer to stationing and turning retrograde. So still moving along, but like bright and sort of heavy. It has, it has the presence of like a queen that has just, you remember, I, I remember one time, and I don't know if you guys know who this is or not, but there was a, a woman named Ama, the hugging saint. And I went and saw her in DC with my wife and we got hugs from her. And it was, she had some real shock to you. It was pretty, it was, it was pretty cool. Anyway, um, whether you drink the Kool-Aid, you know, on that kind of stuff or not, it doesn't matter to me personally, but it, it was just, she had a Shakti to her very, I felt like I was like hugging a queen. Um, she she had a, a kind of otherworldly queen vibe, um, a little bit like a guy, you know, like a goddess. And um, what I just thought was so interesting about um, I'll never forget because I'm obviously I'm an astrologer. I pay attention to when I saw her, Venus was in the um, 
evening star position in maximum elongation. And I just remember like literally walking through the parking lot uh, in the evening, uh, you know, kind of right around, I guess it'd be just kind of right around dinner time and just seeing Venus up in the sky after seeing Ama late that afternoon or whatever and being like, oh my God, like that's such a perfect omen, such a perfect symbol in the sky for, you know, having had this darshan with, you know, a, a kind of an Indian saint or whatever. So, um, yeah. So one of the things to remember about Venus in this position is that Venus has clout. There's a, it's a very queenly, regal, powerful, feminine Venus right now. Um, and she has a lot of positive things going on. She's bonifying both malefics. She has this nice mutual reception with Jupiter and Taurus that's about to happen. After she enters Cancer, she starts bonifying Mars, and then Mars leaves, and generally the situation improves for Mars quite a bit. Um, Venus sextiles Mercury as Mercury turns direct in Venus's sign. It, it's like Venus is all over the map in terms of things starting to turn after the intensity of eclipse season toward healing and integration. So I thought you guys might, I just was noticing all of this and jotting it down and being like, I think people might just be encouraged, especially if you have had some difficult times. Connect with that Cancerian part of your chart right now. Honestly, the Cancer space of your chart in, in May and June, as well as the Taurus space, have some really beautiful energy that I think could be uplifting and a source of comfort and healing and, and almost like a feeling of redemption. Like, let's let's just go back and realize that we're okay. You know, like we, we've gotten through some difficult things in the past couple of months. And here's some transits that encourage us to be kind to ourselves, uh, you know, to to do those nurturing, healing things for ourselves and others. And one of the things that comes to my mind with this Venus is really interesting. I wrote this down and it's just it's just a simple little note. In relation, I talk to people all the time who have relationship problems. I mean, you can imagine people come to astrologers all the time to talk about relationship problems. I am not a relationship guru or a love guru. You know, I, I feel I'm I'm just as much, you know, in the soup as anyone else when it comes to, you know, being being married and learning how to be a better spouse and um, learning how to show up and learning how to work through challenges and learning how to staying consistent in love. And it's it's like it's really hard. So. Um, but if there's anything I've learned that it really, you know, has stuck with me, uh, it's this. There will be a time in a relationship, and it's like across the board, I've heard it probably thousands of times at this point in my practice. This person says, I'm not getting what I need from my spouse. And they feel like they're not getting what they need from me. And it could be anything. You're not uh, you're not affectionate enough. Oh, you don't, um, you're not attentive enough. Uh, you don't, you're not, uh, you're not present enough as a parent. You're not, uh, present enough as a, you know, in, in intimacy or as a lover, whatever people have these differing needs. Right. And here's what happens. Here's what I've noticed. Someone will feel like, well, I'm not going to change because the problem isn't me. Right. The problem right here is uh, you, you know, and you, if you fix your problem, you know, then, you know, everything will be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so people will feel like um, my need isn't being met, whatever it is. And I'm entitled to that need, right? I'm entitled to having that need met. It's my, it's, it's my expectation that that need be met because it's not being met. And because I feel entitled or expectant that it ought to be, um, I'm in the right, they're in the wrong, 
and that's it. And even if the partner says, yeah, but some of my needs aren't being met either. It's, it's like, nope, I'm not listening to that because, you know, it's sort of like there's a, a sense of like, the problem isn't me, it's you, right? <laughs> and what I've noticed time and time again is that like, let me give you an example. It'll be easier that way. I see people all the time that have this problem. Um, I need more affection from my spouse. A lot of women come in and, and tell me this. I need more affection and attention and like attentiveness from um, my spouse. And, you know, in the meantime, my spouse is like, well, you know, I need more uh, space or I need more autonomy or I need you to nag or control less or something like that. You know, this is like a classic dynamic. And both people will feel entitled and um, expectant that 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 what's well, it's really my need that's not being met, and you're the problem. You you just need to change and meet my need, and then everything else will be good. And at some point, all I'm saying is that in some point where relationships end up healing and moving forward, it is always for the same reason because one person just set aside the petty sense of entitlement to their need being met and just decided. I'm just going to take a step toward the other person. I'm just going to put down, I have, I have some needs that aren't being met. It's true. I'm going to put those things down and I'm just going to try to love this person that I really love a little bit better. And I am not kidding you how many times I hear that at, because one partner said, I'm going to come toward you and lay down my petty grievances and you know entitlement and feeling that my needs aren't being met. I'm just going to try to do a little bit better to meet yours because I love you. And I'm just, I'm willing to sacrifice something of my own self-interest in this case, just to, just to, you know, take that step. And if the relationship, in my opinion, is a, is at the core, if both people are just feeling wounded and really, really love each other, it's amazing how it doesn't matter who takes that first step. The other person almost always takes a step toward uh, their partner in return. Because someone has to take a first step and just set down the grievances and go toward the person, you know? And and this is Venus and Cancer. Venus and Cancer just, it, it's like one of the biggest blessings of Venus and Cancer that Venus and Cancer can just go, I don't care if you're not meeting my needs. I don't care if I have grievances, even if they're real and totally true. I'm just going to love you more. I'm just going to take a step toward you. I'm going to, I'm going to make myself a little bit more vulnerable, take a risk because it's scary. Because what if you don't reciprocate? You know, what if, what if, you know, I bend over backwards and nothing changes, then I'll have lost self-respect, you know, then I'll have become a doormat. But at some point in a relationship where two people really love each other, but they're both stuck on feeling like you should move toward me first. Someone has to just put down their sense that it ought to be my needs fulfilled first and just say, I love you and I'm going to do what I can to um, really help address those needs that you feel like you're not having met. And if the person really does that with love in their heart, I am not kidding you. If the relationship is worth its salt, the other person reciprocates. Someone has to be the first person to just say, it's, I'm going to set my ego aside. It's really painful and dangerous to do so because not every relationship, the partner will step, you know, will reciprocate in return. It's not a guarantee, but that's the, that is the risk of love, that the love is worth nurturing and healing and setting my own self-interests aside for. That is one of the sweetest and most tender gifts that Venus and Cancer has to give. Let me nurture you. Let me care for you. Um, and let me 
let me build a sense of positivity through what I can give to you um, as a lover and as a friend and as a as someone who is more concerned about this bond being, um, you know, this 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 bond be safe and and secure that we keep it going that we keep the love light burning i'm more interested in that than i am in my own needs and them being met and so forth just for now when someone has that realization and they set the selfishness aside again i've seen it a million times the other person almost always reciprocates if there's real love at the heart of the relationship when they see that sacrifice it's like it's such a it's such an emptying for the ego you know so i also just wanted to add this at the end, I made this little note about people having to set selfishness aside, even if they have valid needs that aren't being met. When both people have dug in their heels, feeling like you're not meeting my needs. No, I'm not meeting, you know, you're not meeting my needs. Someone has to be the first one to move toward the other. It just always has to happen that way. And when you do, it's very important that you not keep track or record of the fact that you stepped forward first, because it's important to understand that wounds in relationships uh they constellate archetypally and it doesn't really matter who started it or who initiates the healing um it it always takes two it takes two to create the problems and it takes two to solve them and um that's a venus and cancer perspective it's it's about the the healing and tending and caring for the bond more than the self and I'm not saying that's an easy proposition or one that's not filled with risks. It can be dangerous even depending on the person you're with. But that's the that's the the, the beauty and, and selflessness of Venus and Cancer. So I think that's why, in other words, on an archetypal level, we see Venus and Cancer coming through. And all of a sudden it's like there's a lot of different spaces in the sky right now that are receiving blessings and benefits from Venus and Cancer. And I wonder if that's not part of it. If Venus and Cancer isn't sort of, sort of cosmic herald that it's time to set self-interest aside and just love. Just love more and more deeply and more freely and more openly. Give a little bit more. Set our own thing aside and be surprised by the way that grace works things together and ends up helping us get our needs met as well. We'll see. It's not the message for every day, but maybe it's a message for right now. So I hope this was useful and that you find some benefit and blessings from talking about Venus and Cancer. Before you go, if you have any stories to share as Venus enters Cancer, don't forget to use the hashtag grabbed or email us your story grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. We'd love to hear from you guys about this one, and we will see you again tomorrow. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.